We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. This is the pre-combine edition, one of my favorite episodes that we do every year with the combine testing about 24 hours away from getting started here. Thursday afternoon, uh, the tight ends, the quarterbacks, and the wide receivers will be on the field in in Indianapolis getting things started for us. Everyone is weighed in at this point, except maybe the defensive backs. I think they, they weigh in tomorrow, but we got the heights and weights for all the receivers, all the quarterbacks, all the running backs, all the rec- all that good stuff. Uh, offensive linemen too. Uh, the running backs will be testing on Friday. Uh, but Mario, we're going to get into some of the notable absences from, from this year's combine guys that will not be testing in Indianapolis, waiting till their pro days for varying different reasons. We're also going to get into some interesting position switch uh, requests that were handed out by the NFL. They, of course, have to be accepted by the respective player before they can actually uh, you know, go through officially. And then we're going to get 
get into some expectations for the big name guys in this year's combine, as well as some under the radar guys that we think are going to do well, guys with the most to prove. And then we're also going to get into some prop bets uh, to wrap up today's show. So Mario, starting things off. What was your impression of J.K. Dobbins announcing this morning uh, that the high ankle sprain suffered uh, sometime late in the season is probably going to keep him out of testing this week? That's interesting. I don't know if I quite believe it. That game was when, – when was that? December 27th, 28th? Yeah, that's not a two-month injury. That's a one-month injury. So either he aggravated it somehow or he developed it outside of that game and that he's saying that it was in that game makes me kind of just not believe any of it. Uh, but it is interesting. He showed up lighter than expected. I think he was listed at 217 or 219 or something like that. Showed up at 209. I want to say at 5'11", which is not really that good. Like I, If I was assuming he's a 5'11", 209 guy, then I'm probably not ranking him as high as I have to this point. Like I was assuming he was going to come in just a little bit under 220 because if he's – let's say he runs like a 4'5", 4'40-yard dash at 220 pounds. That's the kind of thing where it's like I'm not, I'm not exactly excited about the speed, but the fact that he's over 220 makes me – look at it the bigger picture and say like well this is a pretty big running back he doesn't need to be the fastest if you're 209 and especially at like 511 like you 209 it's another thing if you're like 5859 that's a pretty dense build 511 209 is not dense at all um it would be interesting if if the ankle thing is true and maybe his uh training especially kind of like squats and stuff like that were compromised that might explain how he uh, perhaps even lost some weight but yeah, right now, I don't know what his real weight effectively is. And we're also going to have to punt on the question of how fast he actually is if he doesn't work out. So I cannot consider this like a good development. And especially for, um, I guess, like dynasty and rookie drafts, I can't in, in good uh, like faith, good conscience, recommend him over guys like Swift and... Uh, maybe even Edwards Hilaire, Zach Moss by the time this is over, depending on how those guys test. Um, one one quick thing. I think he's closer to 5'9 than 5'11. 5'9, 209. Yeah, that is that is pretty decently dense then. My, my bad on that one. But yeah, still uh, a, about 10 pounds less than he was supposed to be. So right. Maybe the ankle had something to do with that. And if so, that would be reassuring knowledge, even though we would in that case know he's also hurt right now. But yeah, but I think to your larger point there, I think that at this stage with him uh, probably not testing at the combine, you have to generously or at best put him third at, at the running back at, among probably. the running backs behind Taylor and Swift, unless um, either of those guys tank their respective combines. I'm not expecting either of them to, especially not Taylor, but uh, I have a little bit of concerns with, with some of uh, Swift's testing, but we'll, we'll see. I think the agility stuff he's going to crush, but I, I wonder what like the, the jumps are going to look like. And I wonder if that 40, I think that the prop it, for him is like four, four, seven. If he, if he goes under four, five, then I think that would be a positive for Swift, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. And Swift's one of those guys, it's like he's shown enough on tape that we know he's good at football stuff. The question is like what kind of star potential he has. And that's where the combine kind of helps us, you know, really split hairs because uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to run very well. I was uh, not to go too far off topic into a, a unscheduled Jonathan Taylor segment, but I was just watching some uh, a bunch of players I was watching tape of yesterday and I had not looked at Taylor in months because it was just I look at his numbers. I look at the reported workout numbers. It's an easy evaluation. He's running back one. It's not really all that close to me. 
when I watched the tape yesterday, it was like, oh my god, I forgot how good this guy is. Mm-hmm. It's insane how good he is. Uh, and there's a bunch of plays, not just one or two. Like there's a bunch where I have to believe he has four three speed. Like I think, uh, granted, he might have been like two seventeen or something in some of that Wisconsin tape, and he weighed in a bit heavier than uh, I was expecting at 5'10", 226, which if he runs like a 4'4", at that weight, that's awesome. But I, I, really I think, think he's going to run faster. Yeah. I think in his tape, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't want to say anything that sounds especially stupid, you know, two days from now, but he looks closer to like a 4'3", flat guy than he does a 4'4", guy. And uh, looks aren't much, and he might be heavier now than he was during that tape, but... God, he's insane. Yeah, absolutely. So excited to watch him uh, this this weekend, of course. Um, let's get on to some other uh, notables that aren't working out. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit off air this morning, but it looks like Tyler Johnson, uh, he won't be uh, working out. And then uh, Brian Edwards was injured. He, he's not going to be able to work out either, but Tyler Johnson opting not to. Right. It's a bummer, especially in Edwards's case. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to run at all before the draft. So... I can't see him getting into the second round with that being the case. But on the other hand, with Edwards, you watch him on tape and you, you you know see that he was a good player at South Carolina. And you realize that without thinking at any point that he's fast or anything. Like right. You know that he's not fast. So uh, if he doesn't prove that he's fast, then it doesn't really necessarily change that much of his uh, evaluation from the NFL. But the thing is, there's... This is a deep receiver class, and there's other guys who will run and will probably do well with that. And if you've got, uh, you know, two out of three grades uh, with with good variables, and then the third is an incomplete, you're going to lose almost by default to the guy who has three good ones, even if it's not exactly. Fair. So uh, in Tyler Johnson's case, I I have to think that this means that he knows he's not going to run in the four or five range. I think if he knew that he was going to run in the four or five range, he would just run at the combine. So I think. He's going to, you know, you, you get a, a bit of a faster track at the pro day settings. Usually the combine is either a neutral or even borderline slow track compared to some of these rubber tracks that they run on at these campuses. So it's it's a good way for Tyler Johnson to just subtract up to a tenth of a second from his 40 time. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll really have any effect on the narrative surrounding him, especially within the NFL. Like I think they, they already have an idea of how fast he is and they're not going to be fooled by the the pro day setting. Sure. uh, Changing the number. They're just going to kind of adjust for the, uh, the inflation or whatever on their own. Um, But yeah, I'm guessing he's gonna, he's going to end up with an, uh, Tyler Johnson will end up with an athletic profile similar to guys like Tyler Boyd and Rashard Higgins, where they put up big numbers in college. They're not exactly heavy, in fact, they're they're more so skinny than you would say heavy, um, but they're so productive in college that you have reason to believe that they have real skills to work with, and especially in the slot where you don't need the speed to separate as much. Uh, I think Tyler Johnson will do just fine there. Like it, I I really am kind of settling on a Tyler Boyd comparison for him. I, think. I like that. Yeah, that's that's definitely solid. I could see that that type of trajectory. Obviously, disappointing that that he won't be working out. But um, you know, we weren't expecting him to to you know blow up the combine necessarily either. Um, let's get into some of the guys uh, who were asked 
uh, by the league uh, to do some workouts at different positions there. I think that the obvious one starting things out uh, was Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, he weighs in and just kind of like blows everyone away on Monday with checking in at like 6'4", 238, playing wide receiver. So, of course, he's going to get a look at tight end drills. He, by all accounts, was a good special teams player at Notre Dame. I think he's physical enough, but I, um you have to wonder how how smooth that transition would be. Um, I looked up some other physical comparisons and uh, on Pro Football Reference and outside of like you know you can't compare him to Calvin Johnson, of course, but you, you get to like the Ernest Wilfords of the world's the the Ernest Wilford zone as I, as I called it to Whalen this morning. Um, but what did you make of Claypool, and do you think that uh, he's more receiver than tight end, or do you think that this is potentially a good career path for him? I. Th- I think it could be both that he's capable of playing receiver and yet he could also be a productive tight end for some team and with some of these classifications it's it's a it's really trivial semantics that we're fussing over it's like consider that you know we call Travis Kelsey a tight end and he is a tight end of course but uh if he played every single snap that he ever plays at wide receiver uh it wouldn't look that much different than what he does anyway and no one would really change the title or anything it's like you get sometimes these big slot positions especially you get tight ends running there a lot uh it's it's just a little bit more of a positionless era that we're heading into in claypool i i mean I, i'm guessing only from the tape i don't know his workout numbers off the top of my head but he looks athletic enough yeah to he's be, springy yeah he looks athletic enough to be a, a wide receiver like when he he, he catches the ball, turns to run. It, it it looks like a wide receiver doing it. It's not bad weight that he has. Like he's no. he's rocked up. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's it's kind of funny. I I didn't mean to like as if not that I have any delusions that I had like some effect on this, but I tweeted out after that weigh in. Like, you know, that's basically the same frame as some of these tight ends like uh Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic and uh um Bryson Hopkins from Purdue and it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, funny because it's like if those guys could test anywhere near the level that we suspect Claypool to to test they would getting they would be getting hype as like first round picks or something mm-hmm. uh, because he's the same weight as them and like just because they have a TE next to their name uh doesn't make up for the fact that you know they're much less athletic than he is so uh i i I meant that more as like a concerning thing for those tight ends though because it's like as much as harrison bryant is a decent looking player has great numbers like if you're 240 pounds and you're playing an nfl tight end you have got to be fast now like you can't you can't be a four seven guy at two 240 pounds Your, your game is not going to translate um but claypool he could be that uh six four 240 or whatever but then also have the necessary exceptional athleticism to, to make it work, even though he's you know twenty five pounds lighter than than maybe the average starting inline tight end. So uh, it's interesting. I don't think he needs to convince anyone that he's a tight end if he if he tests at a certain threshold for receiver. Uh, but you know if, if he does, if he's got the same frame as some of these guys who are listed at tight end, and he's then he's got to be able to do some of the same stuff as them it's just you know he's he's going to be way faster and going to be able to jump a lot higher than them yeah exactly so he's definitely one of the one more interesting guys uh heading into into this week's testing 
interested to see how his draft stock ends up playing out and you know whether they deem him fully a tight end after this week or you know just keep him as like a big receiver type of prospect for a second there an evan ingram kind of case or something Uh, he was way faster than i expected and then they still kept him at tight end for a second there i was wondering because you know mark andrews isn't like uh, lauded for his you know classic tight end abilities like the the blocking and everything but i looked it up mark andrews is 256 so like he's you know a good bit bigger he was recruited as a receiver though coming out of high school um so. yeah the Clay, claypool um it, it's like he, he might just kind of play both positions and uh if he can play in line it's great but uh, i don't i don't think he needs to convince anyone that he's a tight end i think he projects fine as a receiver too if that falls through okay and if he i'm not saying again just because of the notre dame thing but if he can test uh above expectation the way that like a miles boykin did where do you think his stock ends up could he be a day two guy when this week's all said and done yeah i think he's he's in that round three general range for me to begin with i mean if he gets anywhere near boykin kind of number and he can't because he's he's a lot heavier than boykin but if he did like the relative equivalent of what boykin did uh, guys that big who are that athletic just don't happen very much and if if he convinces teams that he can contribute snaps at two different positions i could see him pushing for like the first 40 picks or something like that i don't i don't feel uh compelled to 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 specifically expect that outcome but unexpected things happen every single combine if if claypool is uh let's see if he's 6'4 238 and he runs like a 447 or something like that that would be the kind of thing that could actually shake up the the wide receiver rankings at the top of the draft yeah that would be really beastly and and definitely not writing off that possibility really athletic guy uh from the film there so if he does that at that height and weight uh that would be wild let's go to the other end of the spectrum some guys who might have been losers uh from the weigh-ins this week i want to start with two of the smaller uh receivers in this class one of which uh projected to be a a day two pick by by most i think but we'll, we'll see how that turns out in KJ Hamler and then uh, unfortunately it feels like the Jeff Thomas hive might need to go away yeah Jeff Thomas coming in at 5'9 170 was kind of strange and he could still stay involved as a day three kind of prospect but when you're 5'9 170 uh, you need to be probably like 438 or better in the 40 just to stay uh, just to stay draftable or, or even arguably draftable but uh yeah, five nine one seventy is bad because Hamler at five nine one seventy eight is bad too. And, and uh eight eight more pounds off on the same frame, it it's a pretty big gap between the two actually. It's like you look at Hamler and think like, ah, he's tiny. It's like Thomas is quite a bit smaller yet, even though Hamler you would think it doesn't get any smaller than this. So uh if it gets smaller than that, you have to be extremely fast as as like a mandatory starting point it's not uh if if thomas runs like a four four flat i'm just gonna ignore him yeah that's just how that's gonna be but when it comes to hamler i looked at you know some other physical comparisons do you think like an andrew hawkins type of trajectory could be possible for him hawkins was a little smaller yet but it it's kind of um I think it's like an Andy Isabella kind of case, especially because Hamler is predicting that he'll run a high 4-2. Uh, he thinks he's going to run like a 4-2-8 or something like that, which I think he's going to run like a 4-3-3 trivial distinction. But uh, he's he's got that rare speed, so he's he's got that going for him, and it helps to be productive. He's still an underclassman. For all we know, if he had stayed another year at Penn State, he would have gone into next year's combine at 5'9", 187 or something like that. So, okay. 
age is worth keeping in mind because the younger they are, they are the more likely they'll have room to to build on their frames. Um, but yeah, it's uh, when you're that light as Hamler is, um, as much as his situation is much better than Thomas's, it's still a pretty precarious spot for for Hamler. It's like if you're that small, you do not have the luxury of missing a little bit even, and you're you're testing. Like you need to be one of the five fastest guys, or else you're just the smallest guy. And and you know, being being like the tenth fastest at, at a, the smallest frame does not mean much in itself. All right, let's shift our gears over with a more positive light. Let's look at some of the guys who won their respective weigh-ins in your mind. Yeah, so uh, I guess I got to start with a, a weird trio of cases, and I guess this means that somebody was weighing wrong at the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine game because Levante Bellamy was listed at uh, 5'9", by the East-West Shrine game, which was, whatever, two months ago, something like that, a month, six weeks, something like that. And uh, he, that's 20 pounds in six weeks, which I just don't think is really possible. No. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's possible. Doing so the some, Cartman weight gain routine after. Yeah. You, the weight <laughs> gain 4,000 does not <laughs> get you that level of return. It's, it's like you need eight weeks if you want to clear 20 pounds. So something was wrong. Somebody had a typo in the East-West Shrine game, which uh, I still don't think Bellamy is going to be good. Uh, but a four three at one ninety two is a lot different than a four three at one seventy two, and that kind of speed at one ninety two will keep you uh, on the radar for the NFL. With that said, he's just uh, a worse version of Naheem Hines to me, so I, I still don't really care about Bellamy. The other one was Eno Benjamin, who was listed at five nine one ninety five at the uh, Senior Bowl. Why was he at the? Is that because he graduated earlier? Yeah. Something? <sighs> Narks. Um, okay, so five nine one ninety five at the Senior Bowl. He comes in at a much better weight, 5'9", 207, 12 pounds difference in, a, again, about a month. I, it's at once good in a vacuum that, that he's 5'9", uh, 207 instead of 5'9", 195. On the other hand, I don't know if you can add weight that fast without paying some kind of price. And he never looked fast to me on the tape. If he's 195 on the tape and now he's going to run a 40 at 207, uh, with 12 pounds that he added in about a month. I could imagine that going quite badly, uh, but we'll see. If he runs well at that 207, then I'm, I'm going to have to adjust my line on him quite a bit because I've, I've been assuming he's 195 and slow. 207 and slow is still much better than okay. 195 and slow. And then the other one is Keyshawn Vaughn, who uh, was listed at 205 at the Senior Bowl, came in at 214. So mm-hmm. all three of those guys, uh, it remains to be seen if it was like problematic weight that they added and if they were able to add the weight and still train properly for their testing. But if they test okay on, on weights like that, that's a lot different than what they would have been uh, based on their bowl season, or sorry, uh, all-star game weigh-ins or whatever. Okay, so, I mean, th- things looking up for those guys, yeah. I As someone who identified Vaughn as a potential sleeper uh, going into this process, uh, good to see there. Uh, do you have any interest whatsoever in some of like the, the heavier guys, not, like not A.J. Dillon level, but um, guys like maybe a Tony Jones out of Notre Dame from 5'10", 220? He's not really on my radar, but he is in that like endless group of running back prospects where it's like, whatever, I don't care if they can do basic uh, if they meet basic athletic requirements, the Perine zone, if they're on an NFL team, it's like, sure, pretty much any of them can probably do something. Uh, there's a few interesting weights that came through uh, additional than the, the the three that we started with. Um, Zach Moss and Mike Warren were both five nine, which they don't look that short to me on the tape. I'm almost wondering if there's 
something weird going on this year. But there's those guys are super dense because Mike Warren's two twenty six on a five foot nine frame. Uh, Moss two twenty three. Uh, another dense guy, a guy who was much denser than I expected, was Anthony McFarland at five eight two oh eight. That kind of reminds me of Daryl Henderson getting over two oh five for the combine and running a little slower than I expected. So it wouldn't be shocking to me if at that weight McFarland runs like a four four nine. But he looks on tape more like a four three five four three eight kind of guy. And if he can run like that at two oh eight, he could push for the top fifty picks, I think. And he's not really getting uh he's he's not getting hype of that scale for, from the internet that i look at so uh, he might surprise some people with with his stock coming out of here uh clyde edwards hilaire i know some people are going to say like five seven that's bad no five seven two oh seven is good um that that just shows you know, that density it, it's good and when you can catch passes like him that that will definitely work so uh yeah there's a few interesting guys at running back um a receive I, that's i guess those are the the only ones of, How about uh mcfarland's teammate javin leak yeah, six, six foot 215 six foot 215 is still a little thin for six feet but it could have been worse and either way if he's 215 and runs like a four three eight or something like that that's that'll definitely work because he's not supposed to be a 20 carry guy anyway you're like you're hoping he can give you eight carries a game for you know 40 plus yards each time and you know some some long uh breakaway carries sprinkled in and and that's all you need from him okay um any other ones you wanted to touch on before we talked a little bit more about some potential uh position switches well there's still some wide receiver weigh-ins that were interesting lavisca chenault 6'1 227 uh pretty much just aj brown is the only other receiver him and like Chris Harper from Kansas State a long time ago. Those are the only guys who weigh in with that sort of density and on that frame, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, we will talk about one of the interesting weigh-ins for, for the position switch, I think. Uh, but otherwise, uh, glancing at the rest of the receivers, Jerry Judy at six foot one, one ninety three, and Ceedee Lamb. I, I know a little underwhelming for both of them. Yeah, it's one of those things where if they test well enough with with the athletic testing, it won't matter. But 6'2", 198 for Lamb, that, that, I would have liked to see him be over 200, but 6'2", 198 is, is okay, basically. I'm a little bit more concerned about Judy because uh, 6'1", 193, that's pretty skinny. And he at once could test at these thresholds that I have in mind. Like, he could run a 4.35, and then it's like, I don't care if you're skinny. You can do that. That's fine. Uh, Michael Hardman can be 180 pounds because he runs a 4.33. If he ran a 4.43, it would just be like, oh, now you're just Paul Richardson or something. Uh, but in any case, uh, Jerry Judy at 193 has a very thin margin of error. Uh, and with Jalen Rager notably coming in at 5'11", 206, which is 11 pounds heavier than expected, if, if Rager is... Uh, you know, almost what fifteen pounds heavier, and then runs running a faster, faster. forty. Mm-hmm. I think Rager could be the first receiver off the board. I'm still sticking with Lamb and Judy ahead of him for now, but you know, if if, if Rager runs a four two nine at two oh seven or whatever, that's just ridiculous. Um, it, while that would be ridiculously impressive, and and you know, I do, and you and I both expect Rager to be, uh, you know, one of the combine darlings for sure. But don't you feel like there's enough? other warts to his game where like the athletic testing would there'd be an overreaction if he ends up being wide receiver one basically like i mean not not to draw like a direct comparison i know it's different players to like a brashad Perriman or something but i don't know man like there, there are enough problems in rager's game where i wouldn't take him above lamb or judy i'd be fine with with ranking him third but i i, I would be shocked if he goes first 
Uh, that that's fair. If if he tests the if these if these testing outcomes are the way that I'm that I'm describing for the hypothetical, I think him going first would be really plausible though because if if he, again if he's 15 pounds heavier than jerry judy jerry judy and he runs uh faster by like 0.06 uh or yeah 0.06 in the 40 i i don't have enough concerns with jalen rager's production or tape like i i like his tape in production quite a bit it's like judy and lamb get the benefit of the doubt going into the combine because their production is basically off the charts. Um, but it, I just can't convince myself that if Rager had been on Alabama or Oklahoma, that it, he couldn't have done something similarly. Okay. And it, it gets harder to convince yourself or it gets harder for me to convince myself that he's a level below them. If he's going to have basically a much lower difficulty level as an NFL player, because he's just a better athlete than the two of them. Uh, we'll see because, and again, this could all be moot because for all I know, CD lamb could run a four, four, six or Jerry Judy could run a four, three, five. And then it's like, yeah, even if you're skinny, I don't care if you're that fast. Um, but if they disappoint in the 40 and if Rager has his best case outcome in his testing, I, I really think he could be the first receiver off the board. But it, for now, I, I definitely consider it a long shot because we don't have a reason to believe it'll be the worst case for both Lamb and Judy and the best case for Rager. Right, yeah. And I don't mean to paint myself as a Rager hater by any means. I just I wanted to, you know, just acknowledge that I would be surprised if he ends up being yeah, wide receiver one. It's an unlikely outcome. It takes it takes more than a few conditions for us to get to that point. Okay. Uh let's move on over I mean we we can kind of jump in a little bit more into some of these receivers because we, we just talked about Judy um, and Lamb and Rager uh, and Chenault having the interesting way in looking like AJ Brown a little bit. Let's get into Henry Ruggs. I feel like he is kind of the headliner of, of this combine almost with, with some rumors that he's going to break the John Ross 4-2-2. Whether that's possible, I don't know. But, I mean, the guy um, really... Re- into, like, theoretical... F- yeah, whether Ruggs is actually able to, to pull that off or whether that's even physically possible to begin with uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, he's, he knew it was a 4-2-2 and he was talking to uh, NFL Network or something uh, probably yesterday. He knew it was 4-2-2 and he said specifically that he intends to break it. So uh, it's one of those things, you turn on the tape, he basically looks like the fastest player that I've ever seen as far as I know. <laughs> it's like you can't you can't isolate and, and put and control all the variables of, of how fast every fast guy has looked on, on the football field, but... He looks as fast as anybody, and as much as uh, the 40-time in Tyreek Hill's case was not the best, I think we can call him the fastest player. It's like one of those things. If, if he had John Ross's track background, maybe he would have been a little better in his 40 or something. But after Hill, I really think I take the on-field speed of Ruggs even ahead of Ross. So a 4 one it, it's like on some objective level it feels unlikely or even impossible but not based on how fast he actually looks on the field yeah he's he just plays at a, at a different uh speed than, than everybody else just kind of ridiculous so I'm, I'm expecting uh the combine to shore that up um the the prop that i've seen is either uh rager or uh rugs being the fastest in the 40 with, with rugs being the favorite and i think there's a, a cornerback i don't want to say the wrong name but out of utah that is also rumored to be around rugs's level who was that uh, again i i don't know oh, the sorry. name off yeah, the top of my head i guess i gotta look that guy up um but yeah uh i think rager will be very fast but uh he's he's gonna be running at about 20 pounds heavier than rugs so i think rugs beats him pretty easily actually uh It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, it's also interesting that I, I'm pretty sure 
Henry Ruggs weighed in with, and uh, measured at f- the exact same height weight as John Ross at 5'11", 188. So we have a, a perfectly analogous uh, testing scenario for, for the speed of the two players. Javelin Guidry is is the uh, oh okay okay is the I, Utah guy. Okay, that, that makes a lot more sense. I I saw that name floating around, and I thought people were talking about that Mississippi State receiver or whatever. The, the oh J- yeah, Stephen Guidry, yeah, yeah. Uh, is he fast? Too? I think he's going to play himself out of getting drafted at the combine. Okay. Um, well, in any case, uh, yeah, some, some of the fastest guys of recent memory. Uh, all running at once if if rager uh runs like a four three five or better at 207 or whatever or 206 uh that that would still be an insane outcome so i'm not expecting him to close in on a guy who realistically could run a four two two like rugs will yeah that that's gonna be a lot of fun and that again i think they they test the receivers do on thursday so yeah the running backs are on friday so uh yeah, if, if you're doing best ball drafts on best ball tens, or or I guess FFPC might have some. I don't know, uh, but I fully expect Jonathan Taylor to be in the top thirty, certainly in the ADP. Uh, I think he'll run like a four four flat at two twenty six, something like that. And this this silly idea that Swift and Dobbins are particularly close to him, I think, will finally die. Sure, and uh, those two will slide in the ADP. Taylor will rise. And I think we'll see Rager and T. Higgins go higher too. Like T. Higgins, uh, do you want to go into the the prop uh, discussion now? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, yeah, because there was one on T. Higgins that was kind of interesting to me. Um, and that, uh, what is the name of this? I don't know how to read these. Sportsbetting.ag. Yeah, sportsbet.ag, and that uh, they have a list out there of of. Uh, combine props those are always fun um you know so stuff like it you know will john ross's 40 record be broken will chris conley's vertical uh record be broken that that sort of thing and they have some individual player ones of course as well uh so let's get into those uh like you were saying there uh with t higgins uh his checks in at 4.57 seconds yeah so uh 4.57 for higgins would be okay like i think he could go in the first round with that number but after watching some tape of his yesterday, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that he can actually push for the low four fives. And it's kind of risky to just guess how fast a guy is based on tape. But uh, there were a few times in his tape where I thought he, he started to cut loose a little bit more and he looked pretty fast. Mm-hmm. To me. So I would take the under on that. I think he, I'm expecting him to be more like a four five one kind of thing. And maybe even in the mid four fours, which would put him in the top 20 for me. Wait, I mean, that speed on that frame would just be incredible. You know, we're talking about a guy who's six, three, two, sixteen, six, three, uh, six, four. I think he came in at. Okay. Uh, and then, Friggins. okay. And, uh, the arms, like, like an offensive lineman would be envious of like a 34 inch arm too. Yeah. That's a big, uh, so I think, uh, it's like Hakeem Butler was a 35 or whatever last year, and people were freaking out. Uh, with Higgins, you've got actual skill in the, in the same sort of selling point. Like He's got the wingspan, the catch radius. These other guys ranked at the top of the wide receiver order don't have anywhere near his frame. So if some team is specifically of a mind to, to get a bigger receiver, he could benefit from some scarcity inflation. Uh, I don't know if that's being properly... Uh, grappled with right now there seems to be this assumption that just lamb judy can't really be caught but i think higgins and rager depending on how they test and if the first two disappoint at all uh there might be a way for for those second two guys to catch up uh speaking of lamb i actually found this kind of concerning uh the betting market that they show uh for his 40 time um 
a 4.54 second 40 and then the payout rate is the same for both the over and the under uh these other cases you kind of have an idea of which way it's going to go based on uh, the payouts getting worse this is equal for those two outcomes which makes me think he really is going to run like a four five two and i'd like to have lamb a little lower than that uh at least if at least to hold off a, a you know the competitors who are, who are as strong as they are in this class and rugs judy uh higgins rager it's like you need to perform well in your 40 time to, to hold off a crew like that and i'm kind of losing the faith after seeing that four five four and then the identical payouts yeah that number is really 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 dialed in when you look at the payouts on, on both sides there another guy um someone who i think uh could struggle at this combine and, and i think that we see uh th- uh, kind of telling in terms of the betting market there. Justin Jefferson uh, checking in with a four five one as his over under in the forty, and it's minus five hundred for uh, slower than four five one, and plus three hundred uh, if he goes faster than that. So that 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 seems to suggest that we're looking at uh, not just over four five one, but like by a decent margin. Yeah, I don't know if this site makes their uh, payout numbers based on how the money is coming in, or if they make their own projections ahead of time and, and try to pursue a certain uh ratio of of one bet to another and you know fix it that way with the rates but uh if if there already has been a bunch of money coming in for jefferson and the over 451 i think that would make a lot of sense because i'm pretty sure he's not that fast i could be wrong I, i'm constantly wrong about trying to guess about how fast some guy is based on the tape but four five one for justin jefferson sounds like the absolute best case scenario to me so for him to do better than that i i just can't really take it seriously as a possibility yeah i would be i would be really really surprised um if uh if he ran faster than four five one it he also uh, came in at over 200 pounds after being listed at 192 so if he added that weight quickly that's the kind of thing that can drag a guy down a bit sure and then uh circling back on higgins real quick i like thought i was losing my mind but no he's six three and five eights so, oh so yeah they'll, they'll round up hairs. if it's if it's a half or more they'll round up sure so, sure but, uh, but yeah uh congratulations on your enduring sanity john <laughs> okay yeah i needed that i was i was tilting there for a second um <laughs> Anything else on on Jefferson? I mean, because again, he's someone that we've probably seen, you know, through in the industry get tossed into the late first round in some mocks. We've yeah. we've had the sniff out on that, not probably being the case uh, here for for him. But like, what's like the best case scenario for him here? Uh, he's kind of in the same category now for me as Tyler Johnson. Like, he's got a similar frame, and he's he's in theory more of a slot guy because you're not expecting him to outrun people. Uh, I think it's good that jefferson came in over 200 pounds he was a little shorter than expected like i think he was a, a high 6-1 or a low 6-2 some people might see that as a negative i don't really care i mean the density is more important to me than than the, the height or the weight in a vacuum so being over 200 pounds is good because if he was a low 190 and slow that would project pretty poorly but if he's over 200 and he's kind of slow you can maybe fix that because you go back to again the tyler boyd case uh, he ran a four five eight to be fair. He wasn't like a total slug, but um, that was that was still not the kind of numbers you would have guessed from a guy who was as productive as as he was. And Justin Jefferson certainly got an insane production in his favor. I just don't think that the athletic testing will be that friendly to him. No, I, I really don't either. Um, let's move on to some under the radar guys that, that we think are going to turn some heads this week. Yeah. So. Um, 
one of those guys that was listed in the suggested positional changes was Joe Reed, the guy that you uh, had the sent out for last week, the wide receiver from Virginia. And he came in at 6'1", 224. That's, that sounds a lot more like a running back than a receiver. So it wasn't shocking to see he was named as one of the guys that they were giving a look at running back. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I guess I'm not specifically expecting any particular thing with him, but when you put up the kind of kick return numbers that he mm-hmm. did, you wouldn't be shocked to see a good 40 time from him. Uh, but otherwise, in terms of the, I guess, the overall good workouts, I'm expecting A.J. Dillon to, to make good on his 447 prediction. And this is important. He came in at six foot 247. That's the same weight as Derrick Henry at three inches shorter. And he might. So if Derrick Henry ran a 454 at 248, and, and we've seen the results of, of the effect of that kind of size adjusted speed, if A.J. Dillon is even shorter than him, but the same weight and then faster that's oh man that's just so much trauma on a defense <laughs> i don't know how someone can look at him if he tests that way like if he runs a four six five then i'm gonna be like, oh, never mind i didn't i don't know who that is but <laughs> if he runs a four four seven at 248 and people still talk about him as like a fifth round pick or a fullback i'm just gonna lose my mind sure so what 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 in your mind is the threshold there would it be derrick henry's four five four so because he has even better density, I think something up to like a four five six four five eight would basically make him the same size adjusted speed variable as Henry. So if he runs a four four seven, he's just straight up a, a even more freakish athlete than Derrick Henry. That's not to say he's going to be as good of a running back because Henry is a skilled running back in addition to a he's like the greatest f- high school. F- uh, running back in, Flo- in the state of Florida's history type of deal and Heisman yeah, Trophy runner. That's yeah. child abuse for everybody else who had to tackle him. That's <laughs> just unreasonable. But yeah, A.J. Dillon, again, it's a similar thing. I mean, he, he was he was that size as a true freshman, yep. too. Uh, I think he's going to be ready for the track environment. I think he's clearly a guy who knows how to do this sort of testing. Uh, I, don't, I don't think entitled to a 4-5 or better from A.J. Dillon. And if he runs that... Uh, the days of getting him in the 20th round of best ball drafts will be over. He will be, uh, I think, in the third round as a consensus projection at that point. And it, it's just kind of silly. If that happens, if, if it all plays out that way, it's silly that we spent so much time talking about him as a day three, you know, sixth, fifth round pick, a fullback tweener. When all that workout numbers, all those workout numbers were available this whole time. Like he told us, 447, 40 plus inch vertical. If he does that, then there is no objective way to say that uh you know he, he can't do most things that henry does does he vault to like over zach moss in your mind as like the top of that next tier of running backs i don't think so because with dylan you know as with henry we have to assume he's not going to do much as a pass catcher right we can't rule it out but we have to give these other this quite long list of other running backs the benefit of the doubt over him and zach moss had awesome pass catching numbers at utah which it is important, and at five nine two twenty three, he's he's really dense. Uh, if he can catch passes and test adequately, it's going to be tough to catch a player like Moss because I'm I'm going to rank Moss really high in that case. I'm very high on him. Uh, I can't tell if I'm too high, but it is safe to say that I'm higher on Moss than most people. But also, I'm higher on Dylan than most people. So uh, I I I'm if I could answer somehow, I'd kind of want to just take both. Okay, yeah, I think both of those guys, uh, things are looking good, especially if the combine ends up uh, bearing that out. Uh, let's go uh, to your next guy uh, under the radar that, that you think could make some noise. 
Yeah, under the radar. I got I got one potentially. I mean, this okay, one this one kind of a long shot. Some because of, there are so many receivers in, in uh, along this invite list. I think there were like fifty five or something like that. Two Rhode Island guys, I think. Yeah. So interested to see see what those guys <laughs> yeah. do. I've, I really have have no expectation one way or the other for them. A little bit interested to see what Tony Brown out of Colorado can do. Um, oh, okay. He was kind of regarded as, as a burner uh, for them. Nine yards of target uh, this past year in 2019. Uh, no, no, like crazy, crazy explosiveness in his numbers. But I, I think just the the sort of noise coming out of Colorado that that he was their speed guy, their their downfield guy. It's at least enough to make me like you know have a second look at him and and you know keep an eye out for what he does in the combine. And then Cody White out of Michigan. Uh, state uh, big receiver 63217 10 inch hands uh, if he can test reasonably well maybe he finds himself as like a, a fifth or sixth round flyer yeah i'll have to look at tony jones i didn't um tony brown or sorry tony brown and tony jones the notre dame running back i, I gotta know more about both of them oh yeah my uh, bad but yeah uh i i really like uh that these guys aren't out of nowhere or anything in fact they're they're kind of blue chips as far as this goes but i really think devin duvernay is is a reliable bet to do a four three five or better at about two hundred pounds. So that'll keep him in the top fifty range for me if he does. Uh, otherwise, I'm still not high on him as a receiver. In fact, I'm kind of skeptical of him and his skill set. But Donovan Peoples Jones from Michigan will probably put some of the. He, he will probably be like a top five sort of athlete at the position. He was shorter than than I thought he was. I mean, I feel like maybe he, he has like Paul Bunyan esque sort of uh lore about it like his michigan days or like you know Box like his jump. yeah exactly that that kind of thing and he's like seven feet tall it's like mm, he's actually six one you know like yeah it, he's um he's he's one of those guys who's just an insane athlete and he could be a good player for it in the nfl but it's like the production just never was there and i'm, I'm i don't see why we would think of him any differently than we would like a tavian feaster at running back it's like it's all tools and pedigree and, and say well the same way say well, no, 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 uh, or whatever yeah it's like it's 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 one thing to say like i wouldn't mind this guy in the seventh or sixth round and it's another to say like oh he's good as a receiver because he's a freak athlete it's like no he's got the athletic tools and the skill set is a question mark at best but uh you're gonna see people gener- starting a lot of hype for him because his numbers are going to be great. Yeah, but you shouldn't count numbers twice like that because the theory all along was that he would post numbers like that. You you raise them in your rankings when something unexpected happens. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that like counting it twice because no no one came into this uh you know hyping dpj on what he did on the field at michigan at all right and, and no one was saying like oh i think he's pretty good i'm just worried about how he's going to test it's like no as, as an assumption this entire time going back to when he was a recruit the assumption was like he will torch the workout setting so uh if he torches the workout setting you can't really give him credit again no exactly exactly so um if Isaiah Hodgins torches the combine, that's when you go like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. I thought that guy was slow. And what do you know? He isn't. Uh, I, st- I still think Hodgins is slow, though. Uh, well, I hope it, I hope like it, I hope it, wor- yeah, hope it works out. Um, I kind of wonder or like a slightly interested in what Austin Mack does. Maybe he ends up being like Johnny Dixon from Ohio State last year. But I, I just figure I always assume that the Ohio State guys are going to crush the testing and you know Mac just not really being on anybody's radar at this point he's probably like the third out of the three Ohio State receivers maybe it'll just be a workout and and that's it but I think that he will have eye-catching numbers this weekend yeah it'll be interesting the Ohio State question is again a big 
part of the, the puzzle here. Uh, I don't know how to make the call because some people are really hyping KJ Hill. I, I will, ne- I will I th- never. I think it's out of an understandable anxiety about like missing the next Terry McLaurin, but I think it's a little misguided. I think uh, he's more likely another Dixon. Uh, the McLaurin case was different for several reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, KJ Hill, I mean, put it, put it this way, I guess. No one's talking about Benjamin Victor or Austin Mack, really, but... If KJ Hill is as good as they say he is, his proponents say he is, how are the other two not better than we hold them in other than the regard we hold them in? If if those guys are as bad as everybody is dismissing them as, how could KJ Hill possibly be good? He mm-hmm. couldn't outproduce them hardly. Right. So uh Terry McLaurin posted insane numbers on a per target basis and what he lacked in market share was basically the fault of Paris Campbell. Uh, there is no Paris Campbell in the Ohio State offense now. There is no Terry McLaurin in the Ohio State offense now. K.J. Hill should have been able to post bigger numbers, if that's true. Yeah, he was losing stuff to Chris Olave. And, and I mean, all, all three of these guys were losing stuff to Olave and Garrett Wilson yeah, there towards so, the end of the year. Uh, either, either Hill is worse than people are saying, or we are way too low on Victor and Mac. Yeah, so what, one, of those, uh, one of those questions will be answered uh, this weekend for sure. Ooh, you know who really, uh, going off topic real quick, but just wanted to mention it before we leave uh hunter bryant was one of the biggest winners of the weigh-in at 6'2 248 uh he's five pounds heavier than harrison bryant at three inches shorter bryson hopkins is is three pounds lighter than hunter bryant uh that was something that you know was not expected at all so all of a sudden hunter bryant uh is one of the denser tight ends in this and if he can still run as fast as he looks on tape maybe he won't maybe he runs like a four seven because he added you know 20 pounds of of weight that he shouldn't have but if he runs the way he looks on tape and he's 6'2, 248 i think that's a guy who could push for the first 40 picks yeah he's he's really really athletic and now now that he's healthy i think him having that healthy junior season was so important for for him because he, he really run he lit he lit it up initially um at washington then he got hurt and it kind of drug into his sophomore year um wasn't quite as good but junior year um he was uh, junior year bryant uh i mean to say uh he was a beast um so hopefully if he if he tests well like you said i think they'll he'll probably have the best uh athletic testing among the tight ends there any other tight ends that, that kind of caught your eye i mean colby parkinson what do you do about a guy who's six seven his production <laughs> fell off a cliff yeah. and we saw caleb uh what am i thinking of uh caleb smith is that the caden smith caden mm-hmm. smith of stanford he went undrafted last year after running a four nine at the combine good rookie season for the giants but he was like a sixth or seventh round pick and basically we have every reason to believe that parkinson is worse than him mm-hmm. so uh i don't know i'm, I'm not gonna I'm, I'm pretty low on parkinson to, to kind of answer uh, that general question but some guys that i thought weighed in well um in addition to hunter bryant's I would say Cole Komet, who I'm still pretty low on, but 6'6", 262 is pretty huge. Uh, and he does ten and a half inch hands too. Yeah, he doesn't need to run or jump that well to get a satisfactory uh, athleticism Agreed. grade at that weight. Uh, Alberto Quigabunum, or however it's pronounced, he was six five two fifty eight. I think he was listed closer to six six on one site, uh, like six five and a half basically. Uh, Jared Pinkney six four two fifty seven. He's not tall, but that's a really good density level and he had a his best season at Vanderbilt was really quite good a couple of years ago so I think he might have some talent uh Adam Troutman at 6'5 255 uh but yeah some somebody who didn't do as well as in my opinion is Bryson Hopkins at 6'4 245 like he's one of the smallest tight ends if you're lighter all of a sudden than Hunter Bryant you had better test pretty well in your athletic testing because you can't be the smallest and one of the slowest no de- definitely not so uh that that was 
tough uh, for him. Uh, some receivers uh, that I wanted to circle back on. Uh, John Hightower, coming into this, he was listed at like 172 or something at, at Boise and State. Six three. Um, so now I think he has like a more NFL-looking type of uh, yeah. measurement skill set. And, I mean, he was a productive player at Boise State, explosive, had like – 13 of his 51 catches this year went for over 25 yards. So I think he has some deep threat ability still on the skinny side at 6'1", 189, uh, something like that. But Much better than 6'3", 185. Like yeah. I, I kind of just ignored Hightower up to this point. I know he's got some fans, and like you said, his production is good. But yeah, I thought that... Uh, even though he came in two inches shorter, I thought that was actually a win. For yeah, him. That, that definitely helped a lot. Um, Juwan Johnson, I'll always be at least a little enamored with him <laughs> um, just for being a five star guy. Um, and he was good once he got healthy at Oregon this past year. Um, but uh, he might not be fast enough like like. He's about Claypool size, a little bit lighter, um, but I don't think he has the same burst and explosiveness. Yeah, it's he's got that a Darius Bauman probably kind of problem. Like I don't know if he's faster than a four seven or something like that. And if he is, I don't know how he didn't produce better because yeah, he's he's always been uh, a player with high expectations and he's, he looks intimidating when you glance at him, but then it just doesn't really show up in the numbers. He had that one catch against Ohio State like two years ago that was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he, totally good college players. Just like he was, he was supposed to like he was one of those guys uh, two years ago that people were taking in the first five picks of Debbie drafts. Yeah, they were like, this guy's gonna be the next Megatron or something. <laughs> but and, really, he's the next DPJ. <laughs> yeah, him and DPJ are, are, you know, the combine. They're the workout warriors who who just never really show up uh, on the field. But uh, not to write them both off, they still have a chance. It's just they're outliers if they do succeed in the NFL. Okay, and one more guy I wanted to hit on, uh, Juwan Jennings. Thoughts? Yeah, that was a little. Uh, I thought just the way he looked on tape that he would be more like a two twenty five guy. Six three two fifteen is totally fine. I'm not concerned about it. Uh, but I am. He's definitely one of those guys that I'm eagerly anticipating in the testing because I, I think his production is better than it gets credit for. And the tape does nothing to worsen your you know evaluation. The, the tape him. the tape can almost make you overrate him because right. he's he's such like a bull in a china shop. He had all those broken tackles. Like yeah, I think like he had half as many broken tackles as he had catches so basically once every two catches he was breaking tackles this year yeah the entertainment factor with his tape is is definitely way up uh, you know it's like you watch van jefferson and you fall asleep or something you watch <laughs> john jennings and you're like yeah this guy's i could take him first round definitely and you know, and start like listening to Metallica. Not, yeah, maybe he's not as good as his his best points in the tape, but maybe he is. And if if he runs like a four four at six three two fifteen, we could all of a sudden have a very different narrative about him. And uh, oh, two other guys I wrote down. Yeah, Stephen Gidry. We we talked about for a second earlier. I think that it could go poorly for him, and I think Aaron Fuller also. It's going to go poorly for him out of Washington. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really believe in that. I almost think that uh, Bachelia guy was better uh, than, than Fuller. And, uh, Bring back McClatcher. Yeah, Chico, Chico. McClatcher. Uh, Chico McClatcher defeats Henry Ruggs in, in famed uh, combine battle. No, these Greatest. alternate realities uh, will not occur, sorry to say, <laughs> although they're, they're, uh, they're fun enough to think about. Um, but yeah, I don't think that, uh, yeah, I don't know why. Fuller's one of those guys where it's like, I don't even know why you're really here. And I'm not sure Patton, like it's Patman. Uh, it seems like they were very generous with the number of receivers they invited this year. Yeah, there there are probably too guys. many guys. It's like I don't care. No, I Mooney. No, yeah, Mooney. Like hit, yeah, his way in uh, did not go well. Um, 
interested to see uh, what Lynn Bowden does, and I'm su- surprised yeah. that, that he didn't get, or at least on like we're only working off that one report. Maybe maybe he has since been uh, invited to uh, try things out at running back, but I I think it would work in his favor if he wanted to be a little bit more versatile. But I, I respect him if he just wants to try it out re- at receiver. Yeah, I think he's a receiver. Um, he's one of those guys you can imagine them any offense having like multiple, like a, a Tony Pollard kind of case, basically, um, where, you, where you could imagine just thinking, just get him the ball somehow, mm-hmm. just get him the ball wherever it is. Who cares? Um, yeah, I think I think he's he's a really interesting player, and I'm 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 higher on him than I am a guy like Brandon Ayuk, even though I have to rank Ayuk maybe a little earlier just because everybody else says that Ayuk is better. Uh, and, and playing time projections do count but I'm still optimistic that the NFL will like Lynn Bowden and if, if he tests well I'll be pretty much sure that they do one last guy that I, I wish was on this uh, prop bets uh, site Cam Akers I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Cam Akers for a second so he he said today that he anticipates to run quote a 4-4 I don't know if I don't know if that is uh, to say the same thing as a four four nine versus a four four flat. I don't know if he had a four four flat in mind when he said it, but yeah, I think anything under under a four five would be satisfactory for him. I don't okay. know if there's much he can do to catch guys like uh, certainly Zach Moss, uh, but maybe not Edward Tillaire. And I have AJ Dillon ahead of Cam Akers going into this too. So if if Dillon does as well as I think, I don't really I don't anticipate Akers catching him even if he does well. It's like Akers would have to do great and Dillon would have to disappoint for, for me to switch those two. Okay. And then do you have any other final parting shots before we get out of here? Uh, not really. You know, I, I hope everybody does well because it's it's nicer to see players succeed than not. But uh some some interesting th- storylines to track and uh, I'm interested to see if those weight gain guys fall on their faces uh you know it'd be it'd be surreal if Levante Bellamy or if you know Benjamin ran like a 495 because he added 12 pounds <laughs> oh, of, no. of just like mass in in, in uh, 3 weeks or whatever uh but I hope that doesn't happen because that would be you know that would be sad for everybody yes yes it would so uh pulling for everyone at the combine but also pulling for our respective rankings as well the brand is most important and i i would put the 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 fortunes of none of these people ahead of my brand concerns absolutely not so that's gonna wrap things up for this week's pre-combine episode of the rotowire nfl podcast we'll be back again next week breaking down what happened at the combine and recalibrating our rankings which almost certainly will be unchanged because we have everything right as it is yeah Yeah, exactly i'm not we'll probably just skip that episode we'll just have like a the quotation marks indicating same as previous field yeah exactly so we'll, we'll just do that so look forward to that next week enjoy the combine everybody The story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.